Hey everybody, I'm Avi Przanski and this is Schmooze with the Prus. Today we're get, we have Hoodie Kowalski, a musician and a mental health therapist. How does he do both? We're going to figure that out. Stay tuned. You're, you're listening to Avi Prus with Schmooze with the Prus. Hey Hoodie, how are you? I'm doing very well, Avi. How are you? Great to hear. Um, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Today's going to be our second episode and our first interview and our first interview E. So let's cut, let's cut straight to the chase. What is a mental health counselor? Well, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here, and um, well, this is interesting for people. A mental health counselor is a um, someone who goes to school, to graduate school, to learn more about counseling psychology, where we get um, individualized and specialized training in counseling, working with people in crisis, people with anxiety, schizophrenia, many kinds of mental illness and mental health issues that come up for people and families and individuals and communities at large. And um, we all have a passion for helping people and trying to help people live their best life. Wow. Seems like a lot of responsibility. Definitely is. <laughs> and it's a lot of fun and, you know, yeah. very um, rewarding as well. So there's a lot of jobs one can do if you want if you want to get into the business of, of mental health. You can become a social worker or a mental health counselor. And then there's a licensed social worker and then there's a licensed mental health. And it's just a lot of letters. What, what makes you different than a social worker or a psychologist? Like one scale back like you said the business of of that and I don't think it's a business I think it's more of a calling right um those of us who go through it I don't think we think of it as business we think more of it as like a calling and a mission in life to, to do this kind of work uh, but to answer your question social worker and mental health are very very similar and they've gone more similar over the last several years um I think social work is a little bit more focused on um on systems on, on communities on um a more um a more like community-based things and, and mental health counseling is more focused on the clinical counseling, the one-on-one and uh, the clinic work, a little bit more than the social work program, although most of the people I've worked with over the years have been social worker, I've been trained in social work programs as well, so there's definitely a lot of overlap as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about schooling? How many years of schooling did you have to take to be a mental health counselor? So schooling after, after I'm graduate school is... Um, it's two years, and while you're in, in uh, graduate school, you do um, some internships as well. And then once you once you leave school, you got to do three thousand hours of um, a supervised training, where you work in uh, under a direct contact with supervisor. And then um, after that, you can get your you take a you stay licensed, and you can have your um, you know you can be a licensed counselor to work on your own and to, um, to work in different settings and be you know more help to people. So, speaking about calling, about your calling for to be in, to be a mental health counselor, when did you decide, ah, that's it, I'm going to be a mental health counselor, that's going to be my future, I want to help people who are struggling with mental illness? Uh, probably, my interest probably started when I was in um, ninth and 10th grade, maybe even earlier. Uh, I always had a very strong you know, fascination in, um, um, in the way people operate and social psychology and, and groups and things like that. And I would say the Holocaust as well, and I think that, you know, pushed me towards doing work that I found meaningful and helping others. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge, it, not only is it a huge favor, it's a gigantic mitzvah, what you do to all these people who are struggling and they need a listening ear and they need, and, um, and they need, and you're there to help with them. It's, um, okay, I know you're in charge of a DBT group. What is a DBT and what is DBT group? Great question. DBT stands for Dialectical Behavior Therapy. It's a um, it's kind of a, a cousin of of 
cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, as well as, um, as definitely uh, a main branch of behavior therapy, which is, and EDT differs from both those, but it's very much um, um, channels the fence, so to speak, of acceptance and change. You know, we, we want people to we want people to be happy with who they are, we want people to accept themselves with who they are, to love themselves, and at the same time recognizing that there's something in their life that for whatever reason isn't working and there are things that may have to change. Um, and that's the behavior part. That's like um, you know, sometimes it's the setting, sometimes it's what's going on you know, in, in the environment, sometimes it's it's, it's the mindset that something has to change and um, and at the same time, we're also certain things cannot be changed and cannot be easily manipulated. And that's the dialectic part. Dialectic is two things that could, that seem opposite could also be true. Uh-huh. And um, what are some common myths about being a mental health counselor? What are, what are that some myths that people assume? Oh, you're going to social work. I'm, I'm sorry. You're going to um, mental health. There's, there's this for you. What are, what are some myths that, that you encountered? Um, well, that's something that's like out there. I think people think, I think some people think that, like, you know, we have magic wands and become, you know, fix things. And it's like, people come and come to therapy and they're like, go oh, fix me or nothing's changing. And I'll ask them what they've done. And I'll find go blank stairs. Like, what do you mean, what have I done? It's like, you see your job. And it is my job to help you, but. You know, the that expression that you can lead a horse to water if you can't make a drink, you know, rings true a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes people come, they don't do the homework, we assign them, and they don't, you know, they don't implement changes that we suggest or or bring enough of themselves to therapy. And it's very hard, you know, that kind of situation is very hard to enact to get to those changes that they, they desperately are seeking and need. Um, at the same time, though, they go, people get frustrated with therapy and they're like, oh, therapy is not for me. It doesn't work. Um, you know, when when it's not a two-way street, you know, when they don't realize it's a two-way street. Right. Uh, so that's definitely, you know, something that I can't a lot. Um, and the other kind, I think the other thing is a lot of people think and this is some, something that not as much, but I just still get some. A lot of people assume that I work with people with development disabilities. Um, I have done some work with people, you know, individuals with development disabilities, but not, you know, where I spend the bulk of my time. For some, again, this is, this is less than it used to be. There's a very strong association with or confusion with, with mental illness and mental health issues and individuals with, with developmental disabilities or, or, or you know, cognitive limitations and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I think I think that, that changed a lot, but there's still some confusion, especially in the religious community. Right. We're gonna be, we're gonna talk about that later on with the stigma with mental health. But first, guys, you're listening to you're listening to Schmooze with the Prus, and please please uh, okay, um, please I can't I can't get my words straight. Please um, follow and like and show it to all your friends about this great podcast. Okay, moving on. You're also a musician who plays music and as well as mental health counselor. So let's focus on the music part. What instruments do you play? I play primarily. I play acoustic guitar. Okay. Um, I and, saw you uh, have over a thousand followers on Instagram. That's a lot of followers. Um, so. What do you do? Do you play by sim clubs? Do you play by, by bar mitzvahs, events? So what do I play? I play mostly by uh, a lot of small events, competitors, um, you know, free shivers, things like that. We do bar, like bar mitzvahs, mm-hmm. um, weddings, chuppahs, you know, shavar, a lot of shavarachas. Like, I think I get the most close to shavarachas, um, you know, doing a solo or with another musician. Uh, Vark, Vark, I think, are my favorite. Uh, what else? 
Um, I've done Pigeon Events. I've done some weird ones. Um, Pigeon Events, 50, 20 anniversary. Um, yeah, all kinds of events. Off Sharon. Really, you know, really, really seen, you know, every kind of simple. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Mitzvah. I've known Mitzvah in a while, but I did one last year in May. Um, yeah, all kinds of, you know, fun things. And I also work with all, I've worked with all periods. I've done some conservator shows. I've, I've worked by, I've been to the Shurevis. I kind of, you know, run the gamut of, of you know, of the clientele I have worked with with non-Jews, so you know, I kind of run the, the clientele, the gamut of the clientele I've worked with also, just, you know, bringing joy to people also. It's really nice. In a different, very different way than, than therapy. That's beautiful. That's beautiful how you, how you're with all different types of Jews and you utilize the power of music just to help um, connect with other people. Um, speaking about music, what is musical inspiration? Who would, who would you describe as your inspiration for music? I think it's, it's changed over the years. Um, I grew up, my father was, um, I remember my father going as I was a kid, he used to go to the Kabbalah school to hear Shlomo Kabbalah lead um, Southening on, um, on Hashem Rabba and, and other, and other, you know, other days like that. And I still remember, you know, he used to sing all those songs. And um, I listened to it sometimes when I'm, you know, and I mean, you know, it depends on the mood. I listen to Bob Marley, get a little love to get from that, okay. you know, coming in from, from, from those influences. And, um, but mostly I would say in the Jewish realm, I listen to a lot of the more softer, um, style music, Eitan Cats, Formal Cats. Um, you know, that, that, that style of music is really kind of what, uh, what speaks to me and I really like that, that style of music. Nice. Um, very nice. And, um, what song would get you emotional? What song could bring you down and, and really tap down to your neshama and you could feel a real change inside yourself? Uh, it really depends on how I'm feeling and what's going on at the time. Um, just, you know, every just, just happy songs, just, just slow songs, just, you know, there's right. fast songs, there's songs that could be sung fast and slow. Um, I always love the, the Friday Night Dominating, like the Mr. Friday Night and singing Kabbalah Shabbos. That's always something that, like, definitely a game changer. I have some of the things during the week. And, um, you know, it really, really varies right the season. And, um, the last few weeks since the whole, you know, issue started with Corona and all that, between Gamki, yes, we get some of us a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. That's really been, uh, you know, been, uh, you know, been, that's been, been there for me, I would say, um, the last, the last few weeks, for sure. Wow. And, um, so do you ever intertwine music and mental health, being that you're also a counselor at the same time? Very rarely. Um, there's a specialized field called mental health, I'm sorry, music therapy. And that's a specialized training. That's, that's a graduate program where you go and you really focus on putting together, you know, music and therapy and in, in that, and you can become a licensed creative arts therapist, licensed music therapist. Um, and I did not do that. Um, I, I, it's, I find that I'm, with the music, it's more of a hobby, even though there is some, you know, business aspects involved, like I mentioned before, I play simplers. Um, I also teach guitar, you know, I teach, I have a, you know, much students, mostly high school kids, uh, high school age kids. Um, but for most part, the music is really a hobby, and it's something that it's more of like a, a spiritual connection, and uh, and uh, and the therapy really is more of like my business, um, you know, brain kind of thing. Obviously, you know, it's not it's not exclusive, um, but I kind of you know I like to having a somewhat of a, you know loose separation, and then it helps me kind of differentiate what I'm doing, you know, when I'm doing it and where I'm doing it, as opposed to just like you know playing. Um, I have played for clients. I have. Um, I've done some, some, you know, you know, occasionally I have a, you know, guitar in the room, and um, but for the most part, it doesn't really, um, the two don't really, you know, mix that much. 
Um, okay. Uh, thanks a lot. And now we're just going on to our third act of the show. We ask a lot of fun questions. We have a lot of fun times. Um, what's your favorite... Uh, do you have a favorite book? Favorite book or movie? Or a favorite book and movie? That's good. That's a good question. Uh, I'm a few of those. No, you can choose whatever you want. Um, it's not my favorite movie, but one of the movies I I, I reference the most is The Shawshank Redemption. Ooh, I love The Shawshank um, Redemption. We're coming up to Pesach, and um, I feel like there's a lot in there that's relevant. You know, first of all, it's about getting out of, out of prison. And, um, and about, it's also a lot about mindset, and they talk about in the movie how, like, you kind of get used to being in prison mentality. You can be out of prison and not really be out of prison, and that's mm. kind of you know, that's for mental health issues and that's for anything in life. You get stuck. And until you choose to actively take yourself out of, you know, the mindset of slavery and the mindset of whoever's holding you down, you're not really free. What, even if physically you've lost a certain place. And that's, you know, getting out of Egypt as, you know, as Jewish people. And that's, um, what's going on now. People are in their homes, they're stuck. People, people aren't working, aren't busy, or, you know, busy with things that they'd rather not be busy with. And today about having the mindset of freedom and the mindset of, of not being limited to, uh, to you know, this thing should be a certain way or things have to be a certain way, but really just being able to go with the flow and experience life as it's happening. Yeah, very powerful. Um, I also very much enjoy Lord of the Rings. I, I think I like the movies better than the book, which is very unusual. Oh, the movies are amazing. Um, I I tried reading the books like when I was in eighth grade because I, I it's, it's the legendary series, and I just couldn't get through it. I couldn't get through half the book. I just stopped, and I really stopped in the little books. Especially when they're that legendary, but I just couldn't. It was the writing was too old timeish, bunch of thous and yees and eyes and a's. You, uh, you know, I'm sure anyone who read the book will know what I'm really. Stephen Angie, the book and the movies, the little books are all have their own power. The sort of things I forgot exactly what some plot things that change slightly um, between the two. Um, but I think what's, what's powerful about the Lord of the Rings is the power of, of teams, and you know they couldn't do it unless they were teams. And that's something that also you know, speaks to me a lot. And, um, and in terms of reading, I really enjoy the books of the works of Eli Wiesel. Um, oh. His writings about the Holocaust and about, you know, like after the Holocaust, I've always, uh, he writes a lot about the Hasidic Rebbers, yeah. you know, stories. Yeah, and those have always been, um, I read those frequently, I come back to those a lot. Oh, they're great. I, I did a report on him for college, so I had a. Elie Wiesel said, I, I can't remember the line, but I had to write a, uh, I had to write an essay about, about a very inspirational quote he said, but I just, I can't remember right now. Um, okay, right before we get to the, he did what segment? I just have to say, we're going to be having an audience question and answers session for our next, for our next episode. So you can email schmoozprews, not blues, cruise, it said schmoozprews at gmail.com, S-H-M-O-O-Z-E-P-R-U-Z. Give us your, what, what do you like, what do you don't like about the show? Because we're we're continually evolving and growing, and now, um, honey, we go. We are up to a segment called "He Did What." What is it's called? What did you do that no one knows you did? And when someone know, you say, "He did what?" Do you have any "He did what" moments? Well, what gets me heated up? Um, I think you get upset when I see people take advantage of each other. Um, unfortunately, there's some of that going on now, but um, you know, there's injustice. And um, the people, when people have a choice to do something, that when they can rise above, you know, there's, there's something that that you know, people, a lot of people talk about fulfilling your potential, like we're here to fulfill potential. And one of my teachers says that we're actually not here to fulfill potential; we're here to go way beyond the potential. Because animals fulfill potential, humans, humans rise way above the potential. 
and that that gets sent to them when the when the going gets tough. You know, on a regular day, okay, you go, you come, and you know, you try to be polite to people, and you know, you do what you gotta do. But when when something when something happens when there's when there's adversity, and then we and then we were tested like our regular values that are being challenged. How much can we go more, and how much can we go? How much can we rise to you know rise to the occasion, to love the occasion? Mm-hmm. And so when I see people failing at that, I I get like upset. I get like the feeling of like oh you know come on like you can do better than that. Um, doesn't happen often, but definitely happens. That was your he did what moment by Hoodie Polsky. Beautiful. And I love how everything is just helping other people. You know, all your he did what moments are about for for this help to help other people. Your music is for help other people. And when you're uh, counseling, it's all for other people. It's beautiful. And um, a couple more questions here. If you could write to your past self, what would you write in an envelope to your past self? Don't take things too seriously. Don't take what others say too seriously. Um... Take advantage of the moment, and uh, this too shall pass. Yeah, this too shall pass. (laughs) A great, a great line. This too shall pass. Um, Just two more questions here. What was your most fascinating story, or maybe you had a client uh, uh, who 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 had so much, he had so many um, mental illnesses, and he just broke through. What what points out? What sticks out to you the most? That is the uh, that's a story that's most fascinating or amazing. Wait, what's that again, please? What was the question? Sure. What, 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 do you have any amazing stories or fascinating incidents that happened to you that showed you the power of therapy and, and, and you see your, your clients just breaking three from the, from those, from those mental chains, so to speak, or any just fascinating stories you had in, in the work of... I've seen a lot of, health. a lot of interesting things, unfortunately, I can't hear all of them, um, but I used to do a lot of home visits and seeing people in the home environment and really want to change and try to change, you know, it's hard, it's hard as the easiest to change at home. Um, it's hardest because that's kind of, you know, you know, people are born there and they're, they're in their house and, you know, they, the house is the house because it's stable and it's the same. Um, and it's also the easiest because for, for many people, no, they're not for everyone, that's what they also have the most, you know, freedom to do what they need to do when they feel, you know, safe, hopefully. Again, that's, that's a privilege that not everyone, not everyone can take for granted. Um, so I've seen people like, you know, in, in the home environment, you know, whether coming back from something or 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 the opposite or not leaving the house and then they, they choose to change something and, and you know and take and take their own um, take their life into their own hands and take, you know, take and take agency in their lives, that's really, you know that's really moved me to, you know, in my life to, to you know, change and, and do things differently. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um and our last question of the day, do you believe there's a stigma? A little bit introduction. We're going to talk about the, the book of the week. The book of the week for, for this week, I want to hoodie to hear this. It's called Lemons in the Fog by Chaya Rachel Zimmerman and Zimmerman. And she wrote a book about, uh, about Yeshiva Bakr with mental illness and, and all the stigma that he faces and all the challenges he has to face of being Yeshiva Bakr, who no one understands and he doesn't understand what he's going through. Check it out. It's a great week for Pesach. And um, I would recommend it for you, Hoodie. Also, I think it's a great book. It's very well, interesting. If you can do me a favor later, if you text me the title, so I yeah, remember, sure. I write down. For sure. Yeah, no Lemons in the Fog by Chai Ruckel Zimmerman. Uh, do, do you believe there's, this, there's still a stigma in the mental, in the Jewish, in the Orthodox community? Unfortunately, well, I do believe there's a stigma. It's something I have conversations with therapists and, and other professionals all the time. Um, 
one of the things is some people will just go into a therapist in a private waiting room because they want privacy, which I understand that's, you know, big deal. But I, you know, that my counsel to that is that when you go, you get a throat culture or you go, you know, if someone breaks down, has to show them they, they need an x-ray, they don't insist on a private waiting room. They, you know, used to do it everyone else. You know, the guy with the, you know, the guy with the, with the arm injury sitting next to the guy, you know, needs stitches and the guy with, you know, is coughing or whatever, or, you know, thinks he has the flu. And we're kind of sitting together and then you, you talk and you get help, you know. Oh, I did this, I did that. Um, when it comes to mental health, it's like, no, we have to, everyone we have to be separate and private. Which again, I understand people want to respect each other's privacy and, you know. But it, then you're, you're decreasing the conversation. Like, okay, well, I have anxiety, I have trouble with this with my kids, and this came up and that came up, and, you know, whatever it is. And then those conversations are being had, and it's still, it just increases the stigma. And, and as the more conversations we're able to have in public spaces and public care, the less stigma there will be in general. And, uh, okay, thanks so much for coming on, Hoodie. We really appreciate it. And I'll, I'll send you that link to the name of the book. Thanks so much, Hoodie. Thanks, Avi. All the best. Thank you. Good to speak to you. Take you, care, everyone. You too. Thanks for joining us. Bye. That was Hoodie Kowalski, the, the, the renowned mental health counselor and musician. And now we're just going to end off our, our show with a short of our Torah. Um, Pesach is a time to come together it's not a time to be separate and in all these crazy uncertain times what more can we do for our part to become more unified and more actus than, than with Pesach I know we're going to be separate and we're going to have one Seder by someone else we're going to have someone Seder by someone else and we probably, might, we probably might not even see them the whole Pesach but in our minds we should come together we were freed together as one nation and Bez Hashem will be redeemed together as one nation guys have a great Pesach have a great Shabbos and enjoy everything and you've been listening to Schmooze with the Pruse.